Today's Spotlight is brought to you in part by presenting sponsor, Busey Bank. Busey, your dream, our promise. Welcome to Spotlight. I'm your host, Jane Wernett. On today's show, we're talking about how the ongoing pandemic is impacting food, housing, and employment hardships. Recent data from the Census Bureau indicates that the health and economic crisis brought around by COVID-19 has resulted in tens of millions of people across the country finding themselves out of work, with many now struggling to afford adequate food and pay the rent. Today I'm joined by three local community leaders whose organizations specifically address employment, food insecurity, and homelessness. I'd like to welcome Kimberly White. She's the Executive Director of the Career and Networking Center. Nancy Wearsome, she's the Executive Vice President of Advancement at Loaves and Fishes Community Services. And April Redzik, she's the President and CEO of DuPage Pads. I'm glad to have you all with me today. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Jane. Always nice to see all three of you. I wish it were in a slightly different circumstance than the one that we find ourselves in now, but I'm looking forward to this conversation because I think it's really important to give our viewers an, a, a good understanding of what you've faced since April. Um, and Kim, I'm going to start right out with you because in April of this year, uh, the unemployment rate jumped to levels that we have not seen in this country since the 1930s. And while, you know, it's kind of moving around a little bit, what have you been seeing at the Career and Networking Center? Yeah, hi, thank you so much, Jane. You know, we have seen, just like everyone else, um, challenges and uh, the impact that it has had um, on our clients and on our team has been nothing that anyone ever expected. Um, I think when you, when you talk about employment, and what happened in, in March, actually, um, and what the center had to do to quickly pivot, we wanted to make sure that we were around and available to assist those who suddenly found themselves in, in a job loss. Um, and we all know that once someone loses that job, there's also food insecurity and then ultimately housing that, that tends to fall into place. So at the center, you know, the key thing for us is to make sure that we are available for our clients and that we are partnering and collaborating with other agencies to make sure that we are able to um, be that resource for what our clients need. We have seen hundreds of people, especially in those initial uh, days or weeks uh, come to the center virtually. We were, we were able to pivot pretty quickly. Um, we did that over a, a short weekend, um, but we were able to pivot and make sure that our, our resources were available and provide those, those uh, things to, to our clients. Um, and then knowing that, again, we have the other agencies out there that are able to help has been very helpful as well. Working you know, closely with Loaves and Fishes and also knowing you know, that DuPage Pads is out there to help clients has, has been great. Speaking of DuPage Pads, April, uh, you serve our local homeless population. Are you seeing an increase as a result of the pandemic in the clients that you serve? Absolutely. We. Um, when the pandemic began, we had sort of, and pivoting I think is really um, sort of the theme of, of the evening in, in my opinion. What we'd seen in terms of need is both that our traditional shelter model would no longer be safe. Um, and so we needed to pivot from what we had been doing um, with faith partners in their properties toward a model where we were providing emergency shelter in hotels 
And we've seen an increase in terms of the number of people coming to us for help. So in the winter months, for example, we would traditionally see about 150 people on a given night. And we are already um, in the beginning of December at 200 people, a third of whom are children. So not only are we seeing more need um, in a different way that we need to serve, but we're also seeing a changing population. So agility has been really important. Um, we're blessed to have staff and a community of supporters that have helped to make it possible. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about that because I think I'm interested for all three of your agencies in terms of the changing nature of the clientele that you are serving. But Nancy, I'd love to hear from you. I know that in the best of times, food insecurity is obviously an issue for many within our community. But what are you currently seeing at Loaves and Fishes? Well, first of all, back in March, it was almost overnight that we saw such a dramatic change. And for us, it was really a triple whammy, if you will, because we were almost immediately seeing hundreds more people than we typically do. And I'll just give you one statistic. We typically saw about 22 new families and per week, and we were going up to about 193 families a week. That's a 777 percent increase. That's seven, seven, seven percent increase. So we immediately had this influx of many, many more families needing help. But at the same time, because of the CDC guidelines, we had to dramatically reduce the number of volunteers we could use by 80, 80 percent. And on top of that, if you recall, everybody's shopping in the grocery stores hoarding. Um, about 60% of our food comes from our grocery partners through what we call food rescue. So that went dramatically down. So we had more people to serve, less volunteers and less food resources. And just like April, we had to change our method of serving. We could not let all those clients into our building. So we had to rapidly tur turn to a curbside model. So it was numerous things happening almost overnight. Yeah, you had truly, that's a trifecta, and those numbers uh, and the percentages that you just shared, Nancy, are, are staggering. I mean, you know, that's not something that you can kind of pull yourself by the bootstraps and solve it immediately, right? That's a, that's a huge, huge change in the dynamics of your business structure and what you're trying to do for your clients. So let's talk a little bit about that because obviously all three of your agencies have seen these dramatic increases uh, in the number of people uh, needing your services. But, but how how is, that, is it changing the kinds of people that are needing your services? And also, you know, and Nancy, you touched on this a little bit, and maybe I'll start with you, kind of the types of services that they require. So uh, talk a little bit about that. I mean, there were a couple of weeks we didn't even do registration. We just were trying to get food to the people that needed it and move on. Um, but we also do provide other services, and, and Kim is certainly a part of that. Um, but one of the biggest ones is providing emergency assistance. So for rent or utilities, and those requests have gone up dramatically. So the needs all the way around. And I think what happened was the job loss was so rapid because many of our clients were in the service industry. Those were the first jobs to go or they were furloughed. Or the other thing that happened was people lost childcare. And so somebody had to take care of those children. 
So it, it was just very, very dramatic, but across all of our services, food being number one, and then the rental assistance. Yeah, through your CARES program, right? Yes. Yeah. So, Kim, talk to that a little bit, if you would, because I, I think, and I, I read a statistic somewhere about, you know, while uh, low-income jobs make up about 30% of the U.S. Uh, economy, that that sector of the marketplace was hit at a 50%, a much higher rate than any other middle-paying middle jobs, high-paying jobs. And so, uh, talk a little bit about your clientele and who you've been seeing Overnight, it was just dramatic how things changed. Um, and I think, you know, what we had to do was look at the, look at our offerings and look at our clients and what it was that they were needing in that moment. I mean, we, we do jobs, we, we do that well, but we also have to look beyond that in, in this whole space, right? So we take care of what we need to do from the job space, but then we also are making sure that, you know, while we're giving them the things that they need in terms of uh, being prepared, um, in that moment, it's around self-care and taking care of yourselves and making sure that we are also pointing them in the right direction um, in terms of other things that they may need. So earlier, I heard both Jane and April speak about um, uh, that immediately they had clients come to them, you know, typically it's, it's jobs and then it's uh, food insecurity and then it's home, um, a shelter. It was all happening at the same time. It it, it, it it there wasn't a you know a week break between the two i mean everybody was needing all of us at the same time and so being able to uh you know be available and, and make those offerings available to our clients were critically important especially early on when we saw hundreds of people uh, that were reaching out to us yeah, and Kim, let me ask you this, because I mean, a, a job loss in and of itself is a very, uh, it's a very emotional, it comes right to your self-esteem, who you are, a lot of people identify themselves through their work, you know, uh, regardless of the, you know, the financial support that it provides to your family. But, you know, how were your clients feeling? Because when it's, when, you know, when you lose it individually, it's you, but, but the sense of, was there a sense of hopelessness? Because you've got every, you know, mass layoffs, so it's not like like I've lost my job, but there's this whole big world out there for me to go get another one. Uh, talk a little bit about how, how your clients were feeling. Was there a change in sort of the mood as they were coming to the center? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think, you know, especially in this space, right, we quickly pivoted and April said that, well, that's a new word, right? We pivoted and went into this virtual space. So on Monday, we had clients on a virtual call. On Wednesday is when we do all of our networking events. And so everything, while we really, you know, pride ourselves on the in-person meetings, we could, obviously we couldn't do that. So on by Monday, Wednesday, we're on these Zoom calls and it wasn't even around talking about the jobs per se. It was, how's everybody doing? Let's talk about what's going on and let's talk about how can we help one another move forward. And then, um, so everyone was sharing out. And so that was really good to hear. We were keeping people encouraged and that was really important. But then we knew, now we need, we need to get down to business. We need to make sure people were um, on board and understood how to use Zoom because that was gonna be a new thing for people. So we, we, I quickly learned Zoom myself. We, put, we, we did Zoom 101, Zoom 201, <laughs> Zoom 301. You know, we were showing clients how to use Zoom. And, and, and the other thing that happened, Jane, during this time, it, it's early on, so we started, our clients were getting jobs. So while there were still, we were all, obviously we're witnessing all this mass layoffs, 
we still had clients coming to us. And I'll share one story a little bit later. But this one client of ours who had been looking for work for almost a year and had gone through a couple of interviews and it was, you know, had finished his third round of interviews with the, with the company. And they ended up making him an offer within two weeks of us going into a pandemic. So having him share out that story was pretty, was, I think, encouraging to everyone that was on the calls. Provides that little glimmer of hope, right? Which glimmer is so important. Sure. Yeah. What we need. Yeah. April, how about you? I, you know, obviously you talked a little bit about your model and having to pivot so very quickly uh, to provide a safe place uh, and to be able to service your clients. You know, what, what have you seen? You mentioned children. Have you seen a, a big increase in the number of families with children in your, in your agency's uh, services? We have, and it's sort of hit in pieces. So at the beginning uh, in March, we, as everyone was quickly figuring out a new plan, we started checking people into hotels and, and finding them safe shelter through that model. For a lot of families, when they lost their jobs or they had income insecurity, at first they would stay with a relative or a friend, which is not atypical and I'm sure something Kim and Nancy here as well. So that worked okay at the beginning when we thought this was going to be two weeks, three weeks, maybe a month. So the end of the summer and the fall started to hit and people who had been relying on a friend and essentially couch surfing could no longer do so. And so what we started to see in September and October was we went from having five or 10 children in total staying in our uh, hotels-based emergency shelter program to now we're up to somewhere between 68 and 70. Mm. This was, and this happened over a period of two to three weeks where just so many people's situation hit um, an emergency point where they needed help. There was a day where we had two sets of mothers with infants coming to us who had the option to stay in their car or we needed to help them. And we were at the point where we were concerned about babies sleeping in cars. I yeah. had a, we had, we had, two twin one-month-olds going up a ramp, true story, it, it, to, to try and find a place for them, um, and another woman coming in with a child in a car seat. And, it, you know, it, these are things that normally you have enough openings in a family shelter program to where this would be a quick fit. And um, in the environment we're in, it's there are more people. These are the kinds of needs we're seeing. And so we are doing everything we can to help them and we're prioritizing children but it's it's certainly tough on families and we're really seeing that grow to a point um, where it's coming to a head this fall and now as we go into winter yeah because that's obviously i mean we're not in california it's not warm weather uh and that does make a very big difference i know um and and obviously i think you know the impact on children i mean anything that you read about the, the hardship is hard for adults hardship can have a real long lasting impact on the trajectory of children so that's that's uh, those stats are pretty scary. Um, one of the things I'd like to talk a little bit about, because you know we we are the fourth largest city in the state of Illinois. Uh, overall, Naperville in general is a pretty affluent community, uh, but but there are gaps for sure. And and are there specific gaps that you have seen being accentuated uh, through this pandemic? And April, I'll I'll just pick up right back up with you. Sure. Uh, one we've seen immediately is the digital divide as children are schooling from home, 
you may have a family with one computer. And Kim's nodding her head because I'm sure I'm sure this is hitting your clients a lot as well. So a parent may need to work from home and use that computer. The family needs it. Um, we have a family of nine in our hotel-based shelter model where they all needed a way to um, remote learn. And so families that have this ability might not think about it, but if you're living close to poverty, it's a really big challenge or having Wi-Fi. If you can't afford your Wi-Fi, your child can't go to school now. And so this is a very real issue that our community our community is facing right now. Yeah, and, and Kim, you were nodding. So say say what you're seeing in, in your space. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say the exact same thing. It's the digital divide. And it's, you know, it's not just a problem in Naperville or Illinois. It's like all over, right? And it's something I think as we move forward, a lot of people are looking at. Um, it, it, as it relates specifically around job search, if you're in the middle of a, you know, you're, 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 you're called up and to, to get on a call for a job interview and your Wi-Fi goes down, that's not good, right? But we, we're all seeing that that's happening. And again, these are things that one of the things we did, we've done throughout this pandemic is get on and have these call, these these types of conversations with our clients. So we're able to find out who might need some assistance and we can make phone calls or point them in the direction. And that's been really helpful. And I, you know, and I'll, well, I'll add that later, but I think it's just been really important for, um, for us to see how um, we can all collaborate and work together as, as agencies and, and point people in the direction that we can't help them. So, but that digital divide by far has been the, the biggest thing that we've seen. Okay, and Nancy, how about you? What are you seeing? Oh, I would add something about housing because it is hard to find affordable housing in the area. And so many of our clients are just spending so much on their rent just an extraordinary proportion of the amount of income that they have on rent, which is very, very difficult. And I would also say, you know, it's, it's so interesting now, so many people are celebrating the market all-time highs, and there's such a gap between, like, our clients and people celebrating the, the market highs. And I would say, you know, most of our clients do not have reserves of any type. So the slightest little hiccup is going to throw them into disarray. I, I've told the story numerous times. This is a pre-COVID story about a family, a mother that wrote us a letter. They'd been coming to us for a couple of years and then didn't need us anymore. She had been rationing food before she came to Loaves and Fishes. As she put it, one piece of fruit a day, one glass of milk, fill them up on loaves and on on bread and crackers because that's all she could do that was pre-covid yeah. so the the poverty and low income rate has risen substantially because it's hard for them to find a place that's affordable they have no reserves many of these families through no fault of their own and then when you pull the job away that they did have and many of the jobs come with no benefits so there are health care challenges. Many of the hours are inconsistent, so it's hard to get child care. So it's really all of those things together. And yes, that's right here in our community. 
Yeah, and I, I, I think you put it so well, and I think, you know, we see that it is, you know, part of our population going one way, part of our population going the other way, uh, because, you know, and, and we talked a little bit about that fact that the, the low-paying uh, jobs have been hit the hardest in this pandemic, and, and you don't have those reserves to draw upon, uh, potentially when you're in that situation, and then it becomes a spiraling of things uh, that really starts to fall you know, allow things to fall through the cracks and certainly hits a lot of uh, our young people. Um, we're going to take a quick break, uh, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more with Nancy and with Kim uh, and with April about how their agencies have adjusted operations to service those clients. So uh, stay with us. We'll be right back after a few messages. For more than 150 years, you've believed in Busey. Today, more than ever, we believe in you. To our healthcare workers, first responders, and local businesses, you're central to the communities we're proud to call home. Busey's grateful to partner with you and your families through life's ups and downs, today and for generations to come. Because as neighbors helping neighbors, we're in this together. Busey, grateful to serve the communities we call home. Welcome back to Spotlight. As we continue our conversation about the impact of COVID-19 on employment and housing and food, I'm going to start with Kim because I want to pick up a little bit on what kinds of clients you're seeing uh, in terms of who is losing their jobs, uh, Kim. So if you could talk a little bit specifically about that and the impact it's having on families. Yeah, so obviously the the certain industries were hit pretty hard early on. So hospitality industry, for instance, we saw, you know, the numbers were crazy that we were hearing about in the first, you know, few weeks. Um, but one of the things that I really noticed at our center with our clients and talking with them is oftentimes there's one, you know, one of the you know, husband or wife who, who, who suddenly find themselves in a job loss. Uh, but during this time, we were seeing families, both the husband and wife, both having lost their job. And that was pretty tough to, to uh, you know, bear witness to. Um, you know, when Nancy was talking about reserves, uh, you know, oftentimes clients don't have the, the reserves um, from work. And we, we, you know, we obviously see that with our clients. And if they do have a little save, it, it's, you know, within a couple of weeks, with both uh, husband and wife out of work, um, we saw that it just uh, that dramatic impact on, on the families. And so there was a lot of fear and scare, you know, um, people were scared around that. And so being able to, again, be able to help our clients, I mean, talking about what types of, you know, taking their skills and how we can uh, transfer those skills into something different and keeping them encouraged during this time and also pointing them in the direction of other agencies that can also help or very, you know, helpful during that time. Yeah, and I think something, you know, when you talk about, uh, you know, in some cases people, both both uh, working parents were losing their job. But I think in, in many cases, and I think probably uh, Nancy and April have seen this as well, right, we've got uh, families where they're, they're trying to make a decision about do they go to work, uh, they can't work remotely, they need to go in there. So you're making, trying to make those choices between work and health and who's looking after the kids. And so, April, talk a little bit about what you've seen in that arena. 
we have about 200 folks staying with us in hotels right now and maybe 150 in apartments, in supportive housing apartments. And what we're seeing for the majority of those we serve is that if they're working, they're working in hourly jobs or jobs that are, are lower paying. And what we're seeing statistically is that those type of jobs are ones where you need to go in during a pandemic. You do not have the luxury of working out of your home. You do not have the luxury of zooming into meetings. So you're very vulnerable. And when you're if you're if you need to quarantine, if you're in an exposure, you're not getting paid during those hours. So it is a very different environment for those people. And they do need a lot of support services, um, especially as they're hitting on these tough times. Yeah. I mean, as as April is talking about them needing to go in because they're hourly, they have far more difficulties with good health. People that struggle with a low income or poverty tend to not be able to afford healthy diets good health care, so they are already at risk. And one of the things I will say that Loaves and Fishes is very committed to, and we have really been committed during this time, is serving healthy food, lots of fruits and vegetables. People need to do everything they can right now to stay healthy. So, and that's one of the areas, especially when they are having to go out to these jobs where they're exposed, and the other thing I was gonna point out is in terms of food, there are more people at home during the day. And so they are eating more meals at home. The children are at home. And I know the schools have, have some programs, but that doesn't cover it all. So we are really seeing increased need in the amount. And I will tell you, yesterday we gave out 20 tons of food when we did food distribution yesterday. That's 40,000 pounds. So that's the volume that we're, we're sending out. Yeah, and I think, Nancy, you bring a really good point to the table, and I know we've, we've uh, talked with the superintendents on this topic before, is that for many of our families in our community, uh, you know, school is the safe haven. School is the provider of that food for many of those children. Uh, and so, as you point out, if they're home, that service is not there, right? Uh, and so, obviously, that brings people to your place. You also, all three of you, talked a little bit about, you know, obviously, we're, we're trying to stay healthy uh, during this pandemic. And and, uh, you know, I wanted to ask each of you a little bit because you have uh, employees, you have volunteers. And, and so, you you know, you're in addition to trying to keep your children healthy, you're also trying to keep uh, your employees healthy. Um, Nancy, I'm going to start with you. Talk a little bit about how your agency has modified their services, you know, to, to protect your, your employees and those volunteers that you are able uh, to have work with you during this time. Mm. Sure. Well, first of all, we dramatically reduced the number of people in the building. And the curbside service helps us do that. Um, but remember, all of the food that we rescue has to be sorted. So when we receive all this food, and typically 60% of our food comes from our grocery partners, it's, it's all thrown in in a disarray, generally. It needs to be sorted gone through you know what category is it um is it still good so we had to dramatically reduce the number of people doing that so we had to add extra shifts for example so that we could spread people out and and i will tell you it was very very hard for our volunteers many days in pre-covid we would have had up to 75 volunteers in our building 
And in the beginning, to follow the CDC guidelines, we had to tell people over 65 that was recommended that they not come in, anybody with an underlying condition. I mean, we had a volunteer that always carried around an oxygen pack. Yeah. And, and people with, I mean, that's how dedicated our volunteers are. And then, you know, people close to 90, and all of a sudden we have to say, we just don't feel you can come. And we had to say, you can't because they're so dedicated, they would have come. Right. So um, we had to completely modify what we were doing in food operations because of the loss of volunteers. And like I said, 80% reduction. On the staff side, anybody who could work remotely was in the beginning. We still have some office staff that are in at 50% and we organize the days so we don't have too many people in the office area at the same time. And then if someone's had an exposure, they quarantine. Yeah. And we go through all of those precautions. They get tested and um, knock on wood, we have been fortunate, but we've also really, really been careful. We have a big sign up on the volunteer door about the precautions. And the day before, we ask them again, are you well? Have you been exposed? Please don't come if you're not well. And that's not to say we haven't had some people call back and you know, <laughs> two days later they find out they're positive. Right, and right. And we have to quarantine. So it's been a lot of precautions, but the, the biggest change for us was the food handling because it's just such a resource intensive process. Yeah, well, and I would imagine that also flowed out into your curbside. You know, people would shop shop the pantry. That's You can't do that in that same way. But I think also something, and, and you just touched on it, Nancy, which I think is for many of those volunteers who have been putting in their time, they do it with such a love for your mission. And so that ability to not be able to do that, um, that's having a health repercussion for those volunteers as well. It's different, um, but, but isolating them from something that they feel Feel so passionately about that that's challenging April talk a little bit about you know obviously I know you moved to the hotel model uh, say a little bit more about how you have had to sort of pivot those operations for DuPage pads I'm gonna get a little excited for you right now because I want to tell you about my new favorite uh, part of DuPage County and that is our beloved health department who I don't know how we would have done the pieces that we have done without them. They have walked hand in hand with us and been a constant resource as we, as we looked at how we could keep things safe. And that's, um, we've had uh, clients who've had cases of COVID, but they've been able to isolate because we were able to keep them in their own space. And when we've had a case, we could reach out to the health department and they could walk us through what we should do. Uh, we use our mask precautions, we use our social, social distancing, we use our isolation. Um, we have a smaller food operation than Nancy, but we do operate um, to bring food out to our, our guests in the hotels right now. And so the health department has helped us figure out how to do that safely, have a certain number of people in the space. Normally we function with 4,000 volunteers each year. That's what makes our shelter program possible and makes us um, able to use best use of our donor dollars so that it doesn't cost oodles of money for us to shelter all of these people. So these volunteers have gotten together and they make meals and they deliver them to the hotels. And the health department has helped us come up with a way that they can 
bring them in, and then they're reheated to a degree where it is safe for them to eat them and without any disease exposure from anything from COVID to just any other illness that could come from it. But they've helped us work out a way that people can bring them in. They knock on people's door and say room service, where if you're a child and your family has become homeless and you are traumatized by that experience, rather than it feeling like you're in a shelter, you are in a hotel where people are, where you have room service and you're going to remember this as that sort of experience. Our volunteers have made that possible and our health department has given us the tools we need to do that safely. So I know it's it's tough for folks to not be able to help the way that they traditionally would have, but we've been able to find new ways for people to give back and help and, have, and bring joy to our families thanks to the health department. And I love that. I, I just want to add one thing to what April said. So we had some of our older volunteers were making masks in the beginning when we were desperate for masks. And they were so diligent in that they were pretty colors. Some of them were fruits and vegetable fabric. <laughs> and so it was something that they could do. And, and they still felt like they were a part of us. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it, in the darkest of times, sometimes the greatest light comes out, right? And I think uh, clearly uh, you've seen that at both Loaves and Fishes and Pads. Kim, you know, thoughts from you, how I know you talked at the beginning of the show uh, about obviously pivoting very quickly into the virtual space with your job, Sikas. Uh, how, how else has the Career Networking Center responded to the pandemic? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously we are not in person at all. And it was interesting on, you know, March 13th when I was, you know, saying goodbye to my team, I said, you know, it'll probably be a couple of weeks and we'll be back right after spring break. That's what I thought, right? Um, and literally that night, I'm listening to the news and they're talking about possibly like mass layoffs and all of this. And I'm thinking, there's no way we can wait two weeks. So... Friday afternoon, I'm saying goodbye, I'll see you in two weeks. Friday night, it's like, we gotta figure out how to get everything online, like, it, you know, in the next couple of days. And so, you know, we, we were able to do that. Um, we got on the call, you know, some of the volunteers had sent me a message and said, you know, we, we're here to help, tell us what we can do. So I don't think I slept at all that weekend. Probably my team didn't either, but I don't wanna know that. <laughs> and we quickly, quickly, quickly pivoted. And that was just so important because we had, we knew that people were gonna need us. And um, I think the stars were aligned because I think six, seven months prior, we had started using the scheduling software, which had we not done that, it probably would have been a lot more difficult for us to, to pivot. But we had that scheduling software in place, we had Zoom, and we had volunteers, and you know, 40 volunteers that we work with day in and day out, who they were ready and willing and able, and so, Monday morning, we're on a call with our volunteers, getting them all set up and ready to go. And Tuesday morning, we were seeing clients and that's just how quickly we were able to pivot. And so, yeah. um, you know, again, you do what you have to do. You never know how you're gonna react to these challenges and the things that come before you. But, but at the end of the day, people coming together and you do what you have to do, so. For our CARES programs, especially for emergency assistance, there's a lot of back and forth with the clients and it's done primarily through phone and computer. So we have all these computers in our education room that we had been, people would teach computer classes in there. We redeployed them to volunteers so they had a loaves and fishes issued laptop so that we could continue those services with our clients. 
Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I, I think necessity is the mother of invention. I think uh, we're going to talk a little bit more as we get to the end of the show about kind of what we've learned and, and some of the positives, because it's very easy to get, uh, you know, really depressed really fast about some of the negatives uh, that have been happening with, with COVID. But I think, uh, as all of you have talked about, um, very inspirational in the sense of what you've quickly uh, been able to do creatively, uh, what the people that believe in your mission of being able to do and, and to bring to bear for your organizations. I think that's super exciting. Um, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll pick up with that conversation. Please stay with us. For more than 150 years, you've believed in Busey. Today, more than ever, we believe in you. To our healthcare workers, first responders, and local businesses, you're central to the communities we're proud to call home. Busey's grateful to partner with you and your families through life's ups and downs, today and for generations to come. Because as neighbors helping neighbors, we're in this together. Busey, grateful to serve the communities we call home. Welcome back to Spotlight. I'm your host, Jane Wernette, and we're talking today about the impact of COVID-19 on food and housing and employment. And we just left off talking a lot about the wonderful people at many of these organizations who have really stepped up to help uh, the creativity of the staff uh, in, in figuring out ways to pivot and to help their clients. Uh, but one of the things that we know is that even though there might be a vaccine on the horizon and being deployed right now, uh, the impact that COVID-19 has had on the safety net for our community financially has been sizable. And, and even after a vaccine, that financial impact on the agencies that serve our most vulnerable populations is not suddenly going to disappear. So I'd like to start with you, Nancy. Talk a little bit, uh, if you would, about how the community has stepped up, what the impact has been on loaves and fishes financially as an organization and what you see coming over the next year to two years uh, in order to support the clients that you service? Sure. Well, first of all, let me say that we find uh, found ourselves buying things that we never would have dreamed. Uh, we had to buy way more food because, as I mentioned before, the food resources that we had had dropped so dramatically and that was when we could find the source. But we also had to buy things like boxes because we're doing curbside delivery now rather than pushing a shopping cart around. We have had to purchase thousands and thousands and thousands of boxes. So anyway, so the, the things that we were spending the money on in many ways were different from what we had in the past. So I, I have to say, I, I am overwhelmed by the generosity of this community. Because as you all know, our events all ground to a halt, except our virtual gala. Note my wonderful 
logo behind me that was part of our virtual gala held on NCTV, so thank you. Um, other than that, we did not do our other events. And for many people, those are big fundraising events. So we had to be very creative. We also, I will say though, we never ever stopped aggressively fundraising. And I know I did hear, you know, some people say, oh, nobody's giving now anyway. We never, never stopped doing that. And we were so touched by the ways that people gave. We had a little girl who made mask lanyards and sold them on Etsy and came in with a $600 donation. We just got an extremely heartwarming, we were all in tears, letter from a former client who donated very generously and they had said, you helped us so much in our hour of need, now we can help and we want to. That's so wonderful. I just feel like the community stepped up in so many ways and continues to do so. There is something so personal to people about not having enough food and thinking about what that must be like for families. So we, we have truly been honestly overwhelmed and are so, so grateful. And, you know, we hope it continues. We continue to serve people, a large number of people. We don't think our numbers are going to go down. We think this is going to be with people a long, long time. And so as long as those needs are so high, I believe our community will step up. Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously those are some wonderful stories of people sharing. And I think, um, you know, you have to be unapologetic. Uh, the needs are not going away. The needs, as you have all articulated, are increasing. And the things that you have to spend your your uh, agency resources on are changing. I'm quite sure that those boxes were not in your financial budget uh, for 2020. So uh, that money's got to come from somewhere, right? So April, how about you? What are you seeing as the final financial impact? I mean, obviously Obviously, moving to a hotel model, uh, there have been lots of benefits, and you've talked about those, but that's a big financial uh, outlay and uh, likely will be impacted more once the rest of the world goes back to a little bit of normalcy and those hotel rooms are no longer uh, available in the way that they are currently. Mm -hmm. So our budget has changed markedly, and I am so lucky to have had a board that allowed us to bring them a pandemic budget. And then around two, as we had more idea of both our projections for what people were going to need and what that was going to cost. Um, right now it costs us about $50 a night to put a, to have a hotel room for a family or an individual. And so that does add up and our board is very supportive of us doing this. Um, we've hit points where we've hit capacity. Um, I will tell you, we hit capacity when I had our mom of twins come in with a stroller. And I struggled with what to do that night because we were going to go over budget. And we had um, a, a generous person in the community who sent me a check um, it, that made it possible for us to have additional rooms. It is our goal this winter that no no child will sleep in a car. It's really that basic and it's $50 a night to make that happen. And so we, like Nancy, um, we've been, we're, we're very lucky to have folks who have come forward and wanna help. Um, during a pandemic, when you're watching people struggle and it's hard to have, I don't have control over when the vaccine comes out. I don't have control over whether my neighbor may come down 
with a, a deadly virus. But I, both I and our board and our donors and our staff are not standing idly by. And that's what we're seeing time and again from the community. And I'm so grateful to be in the position where there that is possible. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, that uh, Rev 6 on the budget is something that many of our friends in the not-for-profit uh, sector have really, well, and, and in the business sector as well, have had to really look at. Kim, you're, you know, you're in employment. Um, you know, it, it's a job is so foundational. Uh, it's the gateway sometimes to the other pieces that Nancy and April are talking about. How has the community come around the, the mission uh, at the Career and Network Center and and what do you see? You know, we're still looking at staggering unemployment numbers. What do you see as you look out a year to two years from now? Yeah, well, first of all, I just have to give you know just a shout out to my colleagues. I mean, ditto, ditto, ditto to everything they just said. You know, at the end of the day, it's going to take some time for jobs to come back. And if jobs aren't back, if they're if they're not there. You know, the, the need for food, the need for housing, it will continue and, and that need will be great. And so we have to make sure that we are, you know, supporting uh, those areas as well. You know, I will say the community has been amazing to the, to, to the center. Like everyone else, I mean, I was worried about how are we going to uh, move forward? You know, our budget clearly was affected like everyone else's. We put on a, an event every year dancing with the celebrities. Well, that requires everybody to be in a close space and touching one another and all of that. That was not going to happen. And so we, you know, right then and there, we knew that fundraiser was not gonna happen. And so there was not gonna be any dollars coming in for that. Um, but I, you know, I was on the call with, with folks. People called. They wanted to see how they could help. I had two uh, gentlemen in our community who got me on a phone call. We talked about uh, how they might be able to help. And they came up with this idea of the joy sign. And we took this joy sign all around the community. People paid to have it in their yard. It was great during that time early on when everyone was looking for just a little bit of joy in their life. And that helped to raise you know, to over $20,000 for our organization, which was very helpful. Um, I remember getting, uh, looking at our, our Square account, if you will, um, and I started seeing these, these, these uh, dollars come in for $13.10. I had no idea what this was for. I found out someone was running a half marathon and had asked their, their friends to donate $13.10. I mean, $13.10 turned into almost $1,000. I mean, you just never know what how you can help people. So we've been very fortunate. And I just wanna say, I think Nancy and April both said this as well. We, we really do leave, live in an, an amazing community of people with huge hearts, very giving, and we, you know, a lot of nonprofits who work together to really, for the betterment of our of our members and our community. And so that's what we're, you know, we're, we're all about. So, honestly, it takes all of us mm -hmm. to have a healthy community, and everyone is doing their piece. And it's just such a privilege to work with people like April and Kim and Jane, and we're so so grateful. Yeah, thank you. And I, I think um, one of the things that is so interesting, and uh, we, you know, when we talk about 
our clients or our viewers. The reality is we share those folks, you know. Uh, so many organizations, as, as I listen to the three of you talk, you know, uh, you're serving a lot of the same families. And it is that, you know, village and, and kind of coming around and, and supporting each other. Uh, I, I'm also completely struck by the creativity. I mean, I just absolutely think that uh, for me, and then I'm going to ask you, for me, one of the things that has come really uh, shooting out of this uh, pandemic is the creativity uh, that people have in solving problems. And I think that uh, that's exciting. Uh, you know, and when you think about it, one hopes that we don't have to be in a pandemic situation to keep that going. Um, but that whole necessity, that need, it really gets people thinking outside of their boxes, uh, beyond their borders. Uh, and there's a real team spirit to that, which uh, I, I find to be just uh, really exciting and, and one of the wonderful reasons to be so grateful to live in a community like Naperville. Um, I want to ask each of you because uh, you've talked, we've talked about the scope of the problem and the problem is big. Uh, the problem is likely for all three of your agencies not going away. We are going to continue to see long after people have been vaccinated, hardships in the employment area, hardships in the food security area hardships in housing. Though Those problems have been exacerbated. Uh, we have seen a divide, a digital divide, a divide in terms of those who have uh, resources and those who don't have resources and how long they can keep going. But we've also heard some really amazing stories of, of hope. And I know that as a station, that's been one of our focuses over the last nine months, is really making sure that we continue to bring those stories of hope uh, and, and creativity and kindness and uh, the ability to step up. I'd like to ask each of you, as you reflect on this past nine months, you know, is there a particular silver lining uh, that, that stands out to you or something that you have really learned that you think, uh, that you would share with us, that you think really helps us be set up for a better collective community? Yes, well, I think one of the most wonderful things that has happened to us is that so many more people have become engaged with us. We do have some new volunteers. We have a lot of new donors that found us, realized what we were doing and wanna be engaged with us. We also learned a lot. We learned a lot about curbside delivery and we've talked a lot about in the future doing online ordering for our clients, you know, people with small children or those with disabilities that will be important for them. We learned a lot about serving in that way. We learned about a lot about registration. Janet Derrick and her team with programs had so many iterations of registration trying to navigate this situation. We also learned how resilient our clients really are. And that is so inspiring to us. And as you said, how creative our staff and volunteers and board, all of them are. So I think they're, you know, we're so sorry there's been a pandemic, but I will say some good things have come out of that situation. Most of all our clients who inspire us with their resiliency and their desire to try so hard to move forward. Thank you, Nancy. Kim, what, what have you learned at the Career Networking Center and for you personally? Yeah, so 
I, I, you know, again, everything that Nancy just said, it, ditto, ditto, right? It's all about um, what the things that we have been able to uh, do and learn during this time. Um, resiliency, being flexible, being able to pivot, all those things. We were able to do that both in our personal lives and at the center um, as a team. I will say that the, the silver linings that I've seen, you know, personally around family, you know, I'm seeing families are able to come together and spend more time together. But from a professional standpoint, I, I, will, I, I would be remiss if I did not speak about my team. Um, being able to see them in their space, in this work from home space, knowing the things that they were all dealing with, that we're all dealing with the challenges of just this pandemic, um, whether you are you know, taking care of young kids at home and e-learning or taking care of elderly parents um, or not being able to see your, elder, your, your, your family members because of this. But being able to watch them day in and day out in their space with kids interrupting, dogs jumping on the couch, cats running, you know, all of that happening. But yet they still showed up every day and they really wanted to be there because they knew at the end of the day, we had people depending on us. And Jane, you were talking about earlier about getting weepy. I'm about to get weepy here. <laughs> but we, you know, our clients are depending on us. And so while we can afford to take a, a, a have a bad day, we, we know we've got to quickly, you know, regroup because so many people depend on us. So I just want to echo one thing that Nancy said. I, like, like Nancy, um, am so grateful to uh, what Loves and Fishes does, uh, DuPage Pads, and Jane, you, NCTV, and the things that you guys have done, Liz at the helm, has just been nothing short of amazing for our community. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, April, close this out. What are you, what are you grateful for? What are, you, what are your silver linings? Um, I think the things that we've learned have been really key for us at DuPage Pads as well. Uh, first, We've learned that when people have a door in a place of their own, which is available to us now through our shelter model, they can recover from trauma in ways that they normally would not be able to. We had um, an, an older gentleman who came into our programs who had been homeless for years. We were able to connect with him during the pandemic. We got him into a space that was his own. He took four baths. He shaved, he cut his hair. He was so excited to be clean, um, but he had that opportunity because he had his own space and he told us, I'm going to keep taking baths like this was his thing. And he was so joyful to have that. So we learned that I learned that our staff saved lives. Um, I'm a new CEO. I came July 27th and we had somebody the week of Thanksgiving whose mother had a stroke and they were living together in our affordable, our affordable permanent supportive housing. Um, she was able to get medical care because they had a phone and they had access to us so we could get them help. She I don't know if she'd be here if we hadn't had that opportunity. And I think that is tremendous. Um, last, I've learned that people are really creative in, in giving back. Um, I believe all of us on, on this call are actually benefiting from the Santa float. There is um, Matt Doyle from Cross Country Mortgage is dressing up as Santa and going down the streets of Naperville to benefit our organizations. This is not something that's been done before, but it was a creative, fantastic way to be like George Bailey and give back. And I think seeing things like that in the community, I just spent today at work with um, taking stockings that had been made from local Cubs dens and Boy Scout troops and putting them in for each of our kids. Um, people are giving back in tremendous ways because I think 
those who are doing okay are so grateful to be doing okay and just want to help others out and, and bring joy and lead with joy. So um, that makes me really happy and glad to be in this position. And I wouldn't want to be anywhere else in a time when people really need help. And I think that's probably true for all three of us. Yeah, well, and I think April, you're you're uh, you're not the only new CEO, but boy, you have had a baptism by fire. I mean, that has been a really, you know, uh, you and and several others in the community, and I applaud the way that you've leapt right in, and uh, you know, that is uh, get on that horse and ride immediately, right? Um, and I think you talk about gratitude, and I do think that a lot of uh, people in this community realize that they have been blessed and and lucky, and in many cases. Cases, uh, not just being given a handout, they've worked very hard to put themselves into that position, but they're grateful for being in that position and they're uh, looking for ways to be able to work together, recognizing others in our community are not in that same situation that they are. So, uh, you know, let's hope that that can continue uh, well into 2021 and beyond. So, um, I want to thank both Kim and April and Nancy for joining me for this very special edition of Spotlight. Uh, for all that you and your teams, your staff, your volunteers are doing to support those most in need throughout our community. And of course, let's not forget the donors because without them, none of it is possible. Uh, and with that in mind, I'd like to also thank our sponsor, Busey Bank, for their continued support of this show and the important work of the nonprofit sector. We also could not do it without that support. So for Spotlight, I'm Jane Wynette. Thank you for watching. Today's Spotlight is brought to you in part by presenting sponsor, Busey Bank. Busey, your dream, our promise.